Hi, I'm Pastor Peter Dosick, and I know that you know that. But I want to encourage you that you understand the values of your church. What is important, the first and foremost important thing about a believer's life is that they have faith. They believe in God. They believe in his ways, his counsel, his statutes, and his judgment. So as a believer, as a member of Only Believe Ministries Christian Center, come together. Let's grow in faith so we can please God and glorify Him. We believe in building strong friendships, caring for one another, and watching out for our brothers and our sisters in our church family. We also believe in nurturing relationships in our workplace and our neighborhood so that we can win people to Jesus. The love we experience in our upward connection with Christ is the love we strive to share every single day because we value relationships. It is no secret around here that one of our top values is being a rescuer for Christ. You may be saying, Nicole, I don't know how to rescue somebody. What if they're broke? What if they need mended? That's okay. If they do, you're in the right place at the right time. Remember, it's not our job to fix anyone that's God's job but it is our job to share the love of Jesus Christ like someone shared with you share his love share your testimony it'll work good morning today is church day and where would we want to be but in church right praising the Lord Hearing a good word from the Lord. Amen. Amen. Well, we want to welcome all of you this morning. We're glad that you're here. And uh, I know you've had a great week, right? 
and you've had a good weekend so far, and you're going to have a great day today. Amen. I agree. All right. I also want to welcome all of you live streamers out there today. We're glad that you're joining us. And like I always say, we wish you were here, but we know some of you are on vacation, some of you are not feeling well, and I think the COVID has something to do with some of you staying home still. So, but I know you're all going to be back, and we're excited about you coming back. All right? Because we're the family of faith. That's what we are. Now, if you're here for the very first time, uh, do me a favor and look in the seat in front of you in the back of it. And there's this little card right here that says, let's get connected. Okay? So take that little card, write out your name, all that, and drop it in the offering bucket when, when the offering bucket comes up here. Or take it out to the Welcome Center and give it to one of those um, great people out there at the Welcome Center. And if you have any questions at all to ask them, you know, like, what do I do with this? What, where do I take my kids? What, you know, then ask them and they'll be so happy to help you. All right? And now, um, starting tomorrow, August the 10th, and uh, we'll be praying each Monday through Thursday here at the church. And uh, then Friday will be a day of praise. We're just continuing what we did last week. All right? We're just kind of a continuation, but it's going to be here at church. Now, the church will be open at certain times during this week, and you can come and pray for 10 minutes. You can pray for a half hour. You can pray for an hour. Listen, I think prayer right now is very, very important because I had my women's prayer and fasting thing Friday night, and I went to God, and I said, God, what do you want me to, you know, teach these girls, talk to these girls about, whatever? And he just said, I want them to get down on their knees, and I want them to pray. And that was exactly what he said, and that's what we did. And I'm telling you, we had a, we had a great time. We had a good, good time of fellowship. And uh, I love my sisters. I love all you guys that come. And we just, you know, really enjoy it. But I'm telling you, right now is a time for prayer in our nation, in our churches, in our families. God's wanting us to cry out to the Lord and pray. All right? And it will go and, and if you need to know the times that the church will be open, you can go, you know, like on social media or go out to the Welcome Center and they'll tell you. And then tonight is home groups. Starts tonight. And this is a, a great way to connect with your family of faith. And if you do not have one, Go out to the Welcome Center, and they'll have a sheet out there. They can show you what's in your area or wherever you want to go. You don't have to go to the one in your area. You can go all the way around if you want. But it's a nice way of getting connected with your family of faith, loving one another, sharing with one another, and being able to feed off of one another. You know, we, we help each other so much. Iron sharpens iron. So, anyway... Uh, also, there's people out there wearing red and uh, the shirts today, so they can be easily spotted. They're the home group leaders, and they're wearing a red T-shirt. So just go up to them and say, hey, where's the home group in my area? And they'll help you, all right? Now, we got Samuel back here doing exercises. No, no, he's doing exercises so he can worship the Lord. Isn't that great? 
I think it's fabulous. If you didn't have your guitar on, I'd have you show them one, but that's okay. That's all right. All right, let's worship the Lord today.
Well, good morning, everyone. I don't know how to follow that up. That is a great song. Uh, it's time for the offering. Tithes and offerings today. If you need a tithing or offering envelope, uh, raise your hand. One of these gentlemen or, or ladies who are handing out the envelopes will get that. Uh, the last time I come up and collected the offering, we talked about uh, seed. And we talked about what it takes, you know, prior to the seed going in the ground. You're going to till the soil. You're going to do tests. You're going to do things like that. Then you plant, put the seed in the ground. Then you work the soil. You put on herbicides, pesticides, fungicides. You go through all these seasons, or one big season, but with a lot of work in between. And at the end, then you get a harvest. And it may be sometime before the harvest actually comes into fruition, if you've hung on to your seed to sell it, whatever. I believe all of that stuff I talked about at that time, I'm going to call that was a, uh, was a micro level of the tithe. And what I mean by that when I say the micro level is what I talked about was how it affects you personally, how it might affect your family, and how it might affect your community. That's really what that seed process was about. So what I'd like to do today is, is let's talk about the tithe on a macro level. We're not just here for ourselves. We're here for the world, okay? And so if we talk about it on a macro level, macro being something that what's the impact on maybe my county or what's the impact on my state and what's the impact on my country? So we, we go from a micro level. Let's talk about it today on a macro level. And if we could look at uh, Malachi chapter 3 and verse 12, I'm going to skip by 10 right now. That's where everybody always goes. But let's look at verse 12. And it says, And all nations shall call you blessed, for ye shall be a delightsome land, saith the Lord of hosts. Now, as I'm thinking about what's been going on here in the last six months in our county, in our state, in our country, I'm not hearing the words blessed. I'm not hearing the words delightsome land. I'm not hearing that at all. Uh, now, I'm not even hearing it in the church. Now, sometimes, you know, it's our job as the church to go into the world. Sometimes when we draw back, the exact opposite happens, and the world starts to infiltrate the church. Why is that? And so I'm even hearing, you know, I'll be honest with you. There are churches splitting because of this right here. This has torn people apart. It's caused division. And that, that's kind of the words that I'm hearing out there right now. I wrote several of them down here last night about our current condition. Turmoil, confusion, chaos, disruption, uncertainty, and disorder. I'm not seeing that being delightsome in any of those. But that's where we should be as a church. Now, I, I read Malachi 3.12 first because Malachi 3.12 is actually the result of a previous action that's been taken. So what I'd like to do now is let's look at Malachi 3 verse 10. What is the action that was taken. 
And Malachi 3.10 says, Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house. And prove me now herewith, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open to you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. You know, kind of the neat thing I think about when in the Bible says, prove me now herewith. God is not a fast food restaurant. Planting the seed takes a process to get from the time you plant it to the time you get a harvest. God wants a commitment out of your heart. If he was to simply give you the blessing immediately when you planted the seed, there'd be no faith in that. And faith pleases God. So then I go to verse 11 and it says, I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. Once again, this is all because we brought the tithes to the storehouse. He shall not destroy the fruits of your ground, neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field. Thus saith the Lord of hosts. And now we're at verse 12. And all nations shall call you blessed, for you shall be a delightsome land, saith the Lord of hosts. You know, perhaps, perhaps as a church, we're not honoring God with our tithe and with our, our finances. Perhaps what's going on out there is because we've got to take more seriously our job in here. The tithe is simply one part. We have a lot of parts that we've got to fulfill as Christians. This is just one part, but it is the part that comes with a promise. God says, test me, try me. So my challenge to you today is, I don't, I don't care if you have the money today or not. I really don't. What I want is to make a commitment in your heart. We're going to do it right, even if you're listening from home. You know, just because some of us are staying home, and, and I know there's a lot of people staying home from work. I've seen some of my employees, I think they're slacking off a little bit at times. Are we doing the same thing in the church? Is that something we're, is the world spilling over into us here? If you're listening from home, you know, send the money in. Send your tithe in. If you take no action, God can't take any action either. It's on us to do this right and to do what God wants us to do. So that's what I would challenge you with today. Make a decision. And guess what? Once you make your decision, the Bible also says, here comes the devil. He's going to try and convince you that's not the right way to go. But depending on the decision, that's what's going to take us to the promised land. It's the decision. Because the actions will follow. Your heart just has to be in the right position. Okay? So let's pray for our tithes and offerings this morning. Father, we come before you in the name of your son, Jesus. Lord, I thank you for your word, Lord. I thank you for your truth. Lord, touch our hearts today, Father. Help us to... Make the decision, Father, to serve you no matter what. Lord, we give you the praise, the honor, and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen.
guys, I am in North Carolina uh, dedicating a church, and we are anointing like six or seven people today. And uh, so we're doing a couple services here, but there at the church, Pastor Nicole is going to be bringing forth a message today that really sets the precedent for what we're going to be doing in the coming months for the growth of the church and for the stability. One of the things that I have wrestled with as senior pastor for years is how to effectively make disciples. Well, we believe that after working together for a couple of years, uh, we have come up with a program that will help us empower and enable you to be disciples of Jesus Christ in a more effective, a more relevant, as well as in a more spiritual, more mature, and in a more depth way, but a whole lot simpler than what we have been attempting to do it. So Nikki is going to be incorporating, showing you some of the things going to be taking place. Next week, I'm going to be continuing to share the doctrines that we believe in our church. But these things are going to help you and I become the disciples that Jesus needs for us to be. So please give ear, and if you have any questions about it, please make sure that you ask them. And so we want to, again, thank you for your faithfulness and uh, just thank you for your participation in the kingdom of God. So here comes Pastor Nicole. She's going to be preaching today. She's got a word that's taken years of planning to come up with, and God's hand is on it. So I'll see you next week. God bless you. Bye-bye. Jesus. Hallelujah. I'm excited about the things happening in the church. It's not often that we get to take a very administrative look at the way we do things spiritually, right? But how many know that if you don't write the vision, you can't run with what's present? So over the next four weeks, that's what your church is going to be doing for you. Um, but I want to start today with the history of Only Believe. Now, I know there's a lot of you that think, oh, I know where my church came from, and I know where my pastors came from, but I'm going to fill you back in today, right? So it's been 37 years for some of you. Dreama, I'm speaking to you specifically, our first church member in our first church service 37 years ago. <laughs> you know? So Dreama, in case you need to hear it again, I'm going to remind you. Anyways, um, Pastor Dosik was one of 14 children and was raised pretty much by the hair of his head. As an adult male, he was the leader of a motorcycle gang and quite frankly, was in a lot of trouble. He was definitely living a life without Christ. And then we have Pastor Phyllis, Miss Goody Tissues, was raised in a pastor's home as a pastor's daughter but she, too, was finding her way into local bars and singing on the weekends to try to make some extra cash. But she, too, was not living for the Lord as she'd been taught her whole life. They fell in love in a bar. I know. Yep, you can say that. Now, this is a whole nother story for another day in time. I know you wanted the good stuff, didn't you? But I ain't got time for all that. Then after they fell in love, they got married and boom, me. That was the best part of their relationship, I thought. <laughs> now remember, this is my story, so I can make it any way I want it to look. <laughs> so at 
five years old, while I was watching television, I can remember it was one of the big console TVs, and I was sitting on my knees in front of it, a man on the 700 Club gave an invitation and shared the gospel of Jesus Christ. Five years old, I began to feel my heart being tugged. So I ran in the kitchen. I said, hey, Mom, what's it mean to have Jesus live in your heart? And she knew because she had been raised in a Christian home. And she said, well, this is what it means. So I scurried off to the bathroom or wherever I did it and then came back and said, I asked Jesus in my heart. And she's like, yeah, yeah, whatever. And kind of pushed me off to the side thinking, you know, that's just what kids do, right? Mom and dad's marriage was headed for disaster. Things were not well. But both of them had a significant person at their workplace, which was a factory, local factories around here, that was spreading Jesus to them, witnessing, sharing the good news with them, and telling them that their life could be different if they would just invite Jesus into their heart. <laughs> so about a year later, my mom, between a five-year-old convicting her at home and telling her she was going to hell for everything she was doing wrong, which I don't even know how I knew at five years old, wrong from right, but somehow mom said, you were convicting me, as well as the cleaning lady and my dad and everyone else, but the Holy Spirit was at work. And this little lady at work was also witnessing to mom, and mom began to give her life to Christ. And then God began to work on the marriage. She began to pray and seek the Lord because she didn't love my father anymore. She was frustrated. She was aggravated. He was not the man she was supposed to marry. And finally, she had come to her senses, and it was time to leave. But when she gave her life to Christ, she realized that Christ had a different plan and that if it could be mended and it could be fixed and she would trust in him, that he would change their life forever. Then there was dad. Now, he told my mom one day, why don't you just go ahead and pray that those Christians would start praying for me to get saved? And she said, hmm, okay, I think I will. So she did. Little did dad know that prayer really worked. He was a sinner and didn't want anything to do with Jesus. Again, a year later, a guy working at his work had been witnessing, sowing seeds. Mom had been witnessing. I had been still convicting being the Holy Spirit as a five-year-old girl. Dad went to a closet on his knees and said, Lord, I'm going to make a deal with you. You deal. Who makes deals with Jesus, right? But he did. He said, I'm going to tell you what. I'm going to give my life to you. I'm going to ask you to forgive me, and you're going to save me. But the second I get up, I'm going to walk out of this closet, and I'm going to go tell everybody what you did. So you better do something with me. Because if you don't, it's all on you. And dad gave his life to Christ then. A couple years later, a year later, I think it was, dad comes home from the factory saying he quit his job. My mom was hysterical. You what? She's crying. I quit my job. God's called me into the ministry. All mom knew is that she had been raised a pastor's daughter. She didn't want to be a pastor's wife. And she was scared of what that looked like with an ex-motorcycle gang rider. And he had just given his life to Christ a year later. She saw that there was some lumps and bumps in the future. And I don't know that she was quite ready to take all those on. For two years, my mother worked in a factory while my dad stayed home and began to educate himself in the Word of God. 
day in, day out. He was fasting, he was praying, he was reading the word of God, and then said he was supposed to start a church. Two years later, on Mother's Day, 1982, Dreamer was the first church member we had in our house over on South Street here in Bakken's, and God birthed Only Believe Ministries. That's how you became. As I look back, I think of the 700 Club on television and the man that shared. I think of Betty at my mom's work at Copeland, and I think of the gentleman that shared with my father at the factory. What if they hadn't done what the Word said and had just came to church and heard the gospel but not did it? I wouldn't be here, and the church wouldn't be here. Mom and dad's marriage wouldn't be repaired. They wouldn't be a testimony for you and I today to say that if he can fix their marriage, he can fix anyone's. See, these individuals had the heart of God. Just like the Bible says, go and tell. So 37 years later, here we are. You may be asking, why are we going all over this today? Well, First of all, it's been 37 years since we've restated these things, but it's good for all of us to remember why we're here and most importantly, how we're going to do the why we're here. It doesn't, know, it doesn't help us just to know why we're here if we don't have the execution points of how we're going to live it out. That's what I want to share with you. So over the next four weeks, each one of you has been given a booklet. There are four steps, which are four weeks, and we're going to learn this week who is Only Believe. And I'm going to talk about things that you want to hear, and I'm probably going to talk about some things you don't want to hear. I'm going to be honest with you. You're just going to have to suck it all up. <laughs> Number two is going to be where do I start? This is going to be pastor talking about the foundational truths of our church. Number three is going to be you're going to discover your purpose. And number four, we're going to make a difference. Now, I want to remind you that if you are going to miss a week over the next four weeks, I really, really, really feel that it's so important that you hear these four weeks to know what your church believes and how your church is going to accomplish what they believe, that I would suggest you go back on live stream and watch these videos because they're that important to the growth of you, yourself, your family, and our church. Now, there's going to be a lot of scripture in this packet today. A lot. There is no human way possible I can read every scripture today. So I'm going to tell you that you can go back and look at those scriptures. Please prove the scriptures out that I'm talking about today. But I need you to buckle up, put your seatbelt on, because we got a lot to get through in the next hour. Okay? We're going to start with only believe government. We understand that when you invest your heart, your time, your energy, your finances, your family, right? Some of you are here. You made a sacrifice to get here <laughs> at 8.30 at your volunteer station. And even in these seats at 10 o'clock, we know that it's important that you feel confident in your church leadership and that you understand the government and how it works. So I want to go over that today with you. So number one, we're going to start with, it is guided by our pastors and staff. Our team is led by pastors Peter and Phyllis, as you know. This team oversees every day-to-day -day operations in our church, but we are helping serve you, the congregation, and we're responsible for the development and the spiritual life of this church. But mom and dad are the ones that specifically guide the staff here. Number two, we are protected by what they call trustees. This is a group of non-staff members. They're compiled of 
businessmen, pastors, church members even, that are serving in an advisory position to pastor and to mom. And if the staff would need questions or need some answers, we can call them as well. But they help us decide large financial decisions for our church, big purchases like building projects, um, um, interstate signs that have to be put up, things like that. But let me just note right here that last year, one of our biggest financial choices that we made was your church, you, your family paid off over $400,000 in bonds to the church. So that's the loan on this building. And we as a congregation did that together. Those are the financial choices that we set out to make and they help protect us and keep us in those things that we don't make the wrong decisions. And we're also strengthened by overseers. Now, these could be campus pastors, spiritual fathers, brothers in the faith. Um, and if there's any church situations that come up that maybe pastors don't feel confident making on their own and they need counsel, they call these people and reach out for other help to say, what would you do in this situation? These are also the people that in event that anything would happen to mom or to dad and that we would need assistance, they would be the first ones ready and in action to set up a plan of what's gonna happen and where we're gonna go for the future if it looks different than the plan we've already set in place. So let's talk about church finances. So this is, a, this is a big thing. I think that it's important for you to know that the church finances operate under a nonprofit organization umbrella. We are solely supported by your giving. That's it. We don't have other incomes from other sources. It's strictly from those who come to the church and give and want to support the vision and the goals of Only Believe Ministries. That's you. You built this building. You built everything here with your donation that you give. We also are held accountable by the government we just talked about, these first three, right? But we also are audited every year by an outside firm to make sure that every dot did I and every T is crossed. So something we did this year was we took the budget we ran on last year and we asked everyone to shave 10% off their budget last year to do it for this year. Why? So we could save money. There's not a corner that we're not looking to shave down that we can tighten the belt to squeeze one more dollar out of every dollar that's brought in. Now I want you to know that you're not gonna be pressured here at Only Believe to give. That's not something we do. But we do believe that as a Christian believer, giving is a part of our lifestyle. So it's our responsibility to teach you about giving. So we do that every week. When we do an offering, we give you a little excerpt, just like David did. David, thank you. That was a very nice offering. I loved it today. That was very good. By the way, we have been using Malachi, that third chapter, for weeks. You realize that? God's just been outlining it line by line and showing us what it means to truly give and tithe. So I just want you to know that though we're not going to put pressure on you to give, we are going to help you understand why giving is important at Only Believe. Now, with that being said, I want to talk about the ways you can give here at Only Believe. Because there may be some of you that go, um, okay. I just give. I don't know, oh, okay, how much am I supposed to give? Why do I give? So what Dave was talking about today is called the tithe. The tithe. And when we and the tithe means 10%. So as believers, God has commissioned us in his word to give 10% of what we make. 
right? Whatever is our increase. And when we do that and we give him a 10% or our tithe of our first fruits, meaning we give it to him first, we say, Lord, we believe that you are our provider. Not the guy that gave us the check, not the guy that left me an inheritance, but you, Lord, you're the one that provides for me. And if anything was to change, maybe I don't have a job. That's okay. God is still the provider of everything that I do. Amen? There's two. There's offering. This is real simple. Offerings are above your tithes, but it's when God speaks to you, your heart responds. If God don't speak to you and tell you to give any money, you don't need to give an offering. If I were you, I wouldn't unless he speaks. Can I just say that? And then there's the gift of giving. Hmm. There's some people that just have this ability to make zoodles of money. It just comes. No matter what they do, no matter where they step, as my boys say that they want a job following around Bill Gates, because he literally makes so much money that if he dropped $100 bills, he would take him too much time to turn around and pick it up. He would keep on walking. (laughs) And the boy said, Mom, that's what I want to do for the rest of my life. I said, well, you're going to be broke, because I think he's got a really tight wallet. Anyways, the gift of giving, these people make money. It just comes naturally to them. But they want to use what they make for the kingdom. It's the gift of giving. And these people partner with mission crusades, partner with the church. We've had people say, I want to know when the bond gets to this part because I want to pay the rest of that off. You know, we're at 50% on our next bond. Who thinks like that? Like, I don't think of giving the church $100,000. They do. This is what's important to them. They feel it's their gifting in the church, and God's empowered them to do it. Now, there's two I want to talk about that are not on your list, and it was my fault. I didn't give it to the girls. Four is alms. This is giving to outreaches for the poor and the needy. Alms. And you can do that. You can mark it on your envelope. And then there's also seed sowing. We are an evangelical church. This is important that you know that the seed is not just talking about your life, but seed can be money. You can put money, seed, into the offering and name it according to 1 Corinthians. I think it is the um, 2 Corinthians, the ninth chapter, that we give and we sow with an expectation of a harvest. And God is the multiplier of our seed. When you put a piece of corn in the ground, do you get to determine how much corn is birthed on that one stalk? Some stalks have one ear, some have two, some have three, for goodness sakes. It's unbelievable. Who got to choose that? God. You put the seed in the ground. So we too have the ability to do that with our cash. So those are your church government and finances. Now that I got that out of the way, we get to move on to the vision of the church. This is exciting. Because I don't think that if you know how the church is ran, how can you run with a vision if you don't trust the way an organization is ran or the way it's set up? You see? So I want to give you all of your your information up front. So the vision statement, why we exist as a church, and you should be on page four now, only believe exists to make disciples that wins the world for Jesus. This is why we exist. There are three values in our church. One, we live by faith. Number two, we value relationships. And number three, we are rescuers. 
Our money, our time, and our effort will all be centered around these values. Chances are, if we have an event, if it doesn't fit these three values, we're not doing an event because it doesn't line up with what we want to see done in the believer's life. Now, in this vision, we have a prayer for you. And this is where, if you want, you can turn in your Bibles to Ephesians 1, 17 through 18. And the next part of our journey spiritually is going to come out of these two scripture verses. And I'm going to read them. I have them wrote down on my paper today. But it says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Now just stop right there. All that means is he wants you to see it better. I just want you to see what I'm saying here. In the knowledge of him, number one, now remember, I want you to see it better, comma, that you'll know him. I want you to know God. Number two, I want you, the eyes of your understanding to be enlightened. Eyes. The eyes of your understanding be enlightened. Now, one of our translations says the eyes of your heart being enlightened. But my eyes are here. My eyes aren't here. So what does that mean? Because when you begin to know God and what he has for your life, this, your heart, which all of life's transgression, all of your things that have happened in life go through the heart, right? Everything goes through that heart and that soul. And it begins to define who we are. God wants you to be enlightened so that you can see what he sees for your life, not what your heart sees. Remember how they say, oh, just follow your heart. No, don't follow your heart. Follow what the word of God says. Because when you know him, your heart eyes will be enlightened and you will see yourself the way God sees you and everything in the midst, right? It says, now I want your knowledge of him to happen and I want your eyes to be enlightened so that you may know what is the hope of his calling. Don't you want to know why you're here? Don't you want to know what he's called you to do? Don't you want to know what your purpose is? See, there's two most important days in your life. The day that you were born and the day that you know why you were born. Why you were born. Do you know how many we have searching for why I'm here? What am I supposed to do with my life? Why? And then it says, and not only that your hard eyes would be enlightened, that you may know the hope of his calling for your life, and what the riches of his glory of his inheritance in the saints Listen, when you begin to know God and you begin to see yourself the way he sees you, you begin to change. You find freedoms in your life that you never knew because you're no longer bound to your past. You pushed through that and you're enlightened. And now you're looking at your life and you're seeing the hope he has for you and the purpose you found to do your life. But now you get to do it with the saints. See, there's an inheritance. When you and I receive the fruits of the fullness of who God is, the hope, the calling, and the purpose, then we begin to use those fruits one for another in the body of Christ and outside the church. But if we never know God and we never get past our past, then how in the world are we ever going to do what we're called to do and do it together as a church and become a body of Christ? We're not. 
So in this journey, there were four steps that I just talked to you about. Those four places in our journey I want to talk to you about. The first one was no God, because here's why. Most of us stop right there. And they don't tell us how we're going to do these. I want to tell you how your church is going to do those four steps in your life and in anyone's life that you bring to this church or invite them to. Number one is no God, right? We heard in Ephesians, the 17th chapter. This is not a mental no. This is not, oh, yeah, I know Dave Hewitt. No, this is, I know Dave Hewitt. He wouldn't be like that. This is an intimate no. I know God, not that I know of him. I know of this God you speak about, but I have a relationship with him. See, it's not enough that we know about him. We got to walk with him, right? And it says, because how many know that in America, just because we say we're a Christian doesn't mean we're a Christian? See, the scripture in Matthew 7, 21, 23, this is on your thing. It says, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, but haven't we prophesied in your name? And in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. I never knew you. We come to know God. Remember, he didn't know these people because they said they knew him, but they had no relationship with him. And it said, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. We got to know God in a deeper way. Number two, we're going to find freedom. Here's the deal. We're going to reconcile your past. You can't move forward until you stop looking behind. You can't help anyone else out of their situation until you are free from your past situation. And until you know God and get your heart eyes enlightened and look at your situation through his eyes, you're never going to be free from that past. That past is going to keep you bound. See, we can't see that tomorrow until we deal with yesterdays. How many of you think there's some yesterdays that you need to deal with? That maybe you've lifted up a big rug and shoved them underneath and you think that no one's going to see your yesterday. I'm here to tell you, God wants you to look at your yesterday. God wants you to look at your yesterday through his eyes and not your eyes and your experience so that you can be free. Who wants to join the body of Christ that's bound? I don't want to go down with the ship that's sinking. I want on the one that's going. See, it's our job, church, to posture the church as healthy as we can. Because people attract to what is healthy and what is godly. They're not going to attract to brokenness. So we got to get over some things in our past. Amen? And that's okay. Your church is here. That's what we do. That's what the word does. That's how, and I'm telling you how we're going to do it. Number three, you're going to discover purpose. We want you to discover that once he calls you to know him, to be saved, that he has a purpose for your life. You're not just meant to come to church and do church for yourself. There is a purpose for you. You have a gift that makes you 
unique. There's something that you can do that I can't. There's something I can do that you can't. And God made us individuals on purpose, but we have to find that purpose in our life and then put it to work, right? Number four, we're going to make a difference. Now, once you discover all that you've inherited, because you're knowing God and you're past your past and you're moving forward, you know that he's called you to this life of salvation and, and works that he wants your faith to come alive and begin to literally take the promises of God and apply them to your life. Once you discover everything that he has for you in the Bible and every promise, kindness, gentleness, all the fruits of the Spirit, now we want you to take those and make a difference with what he's given you. That's simple. That's simple. There's four steps on this journey. Know God. Find freedom for yourself. Number three, you have a divine purpose, so let's discover it. And number four, let's make a difference with the purpose that God gave us. Simple. Now, I'm going to tell you how each one of those looks because I just told you what they are. Let's look a little deeper. Knowing God, let me tell you how we're going to do this. Now, Sunday services look a little different in this church than they look in other churches, and I'm going to tell you why. One of our greatest responsibilities on Sunday morning is that Sunday services are for people at all stages in their lives. Not just Dreama, who's a 37-year veteran in this church. Did you like how I said that? That gave you worth, didn't it? I didn't use that other word, three-letter word. I won't use it because I'm right behind you. Now, how, you say, how is this different from what we do right now? Well, let me tell you. Most people see church as a place for them. Most people see that this is a bless me club and we get to come in and fellowship every Sunday. That's wonderful. But if that's all we do is come in for ourselves, then we've missed the ultimate mission. We've missed it because that's not what it's for. See, we have an assignment. Once we know God, now the assignment comes down. And when you know the heart of God, the assignment is to go get others and introduce them into the heart of God. Amen. See, at Only Believe Ministries, we value relationships. We value people. We're rescuers. That's important to us. So knowing God in a Sunday service is important. But here's the deal. If you don't get that, this church will bug you. Because pastor's never going to stop talking about salvation. He's never going to stop telling you to not invite somebody to church. And you're going to feel guilty when you're not doing what he's asking you to do. Because he believes in sharing the gospel. It'll drive you nuts that he goes on crusades in Africa as often as he does. Now with COVID, it's gotten really quiet around here because they won't let you travel. But I'm going to tell you, if you don't like salvation, you might not like this church real well because we believe that Sunday services is a place where people can come and hear the gospel and get saved. Even the sinner that sits in the seat that doesn't understand all the Christianese that we speak. So you might not get as much Christianese as you want to hear, but the sinner in the seat next to you needed to hear it a little differently. The word evangelical, which we are an evangelical church, means once we believe, we share. That's what that means. Let's look at this from God's point of view. 
It says he sent his son to save the world. Here it is. I got some lost kids. I got some found kids. Hmm. Let me ask you this. Have you ever lost your car keys or your wallet? Yeah, I have. Trust me. Randy lives in our house. We lose them every day. When you lost your keys and you're looking through the house and you think, oh, I think I left it maybe over here. Do you ever walk by your couch and go, oh, but thank God I still got my couch. Do you care about what is found in your house or do you care about those keys? The only thing you can think about is what is lost. Let me tell you something. God's got some lost kids and he's got some found kids. The found ones are already on the way to the right place. But the lost ones are not. God is distracted by that which is lost. Just like you're distracted by your keys. Just like you're distracted by your wallet. And you can't get relief until you find it. And you're like, oh, thank God I found it. Right? I'm going to tell you this story, all right? And I'm just going to be prepared, prepare you for a tearjerker. Every time I've heard the story, I cry. But I'm telling you this story, and I'm taking so much time to drive this point home because this matters to this church. Sunday services are not just for the saved. They are for the unsaved. But if you can't embrace the heart of the Father for the people in that world, then this church is never going to be what God's called us to be. So here's the story. A gentleman and his family were on vacation. Now they have a boatload of kids. I think it was four or five kids with them. And there's multiple groups that went on this trip. We've done that before. You go on vacation with three or four families because it's cheaper, right, and you get to go around. Well, they were downtown and they were going in and out of shops, shopping. Well, one of their children was on the autistic spectrum. He had a very hard time saying what he meant. He couldn't explain things correctly. He couldn't tell you where he was or what his mom and dad looked like or where he needed to be. But they went into a coffee shop, and this little boy decided to go to the restroom without telling his mom or dad. Well, the group was so big that they literally walked out of the coffee shop and went down to the next shop, which was an ice cream shop. They were going to eat their way all the way down the boulevard because it was vacation. Isn't that what we do? Don't even look at me, Bechtels. I know you eat your way through Nashville. I know you do. You've told me some of those good places. But my point is, so they went in the next place, and they realized they didn't have their son Joseph with them. And the father's like, oh, my goodness, where's Joseph? Where is he at? Come to find out, he had went into the restroom, didn't see his family, walked out of the coffee shop, and turned the opposite way. Now you have an autistic child walking down the streets of a city that he doesn't know, that he's not on in vacation, and his family went the other way. So the dad, just frantic, he's telling everybody, have you seen my little boy? He's this big. He's got this, this is what he's wearing. No, and it, it, They couldn't find him anywhere. So all of a sudden, he sees a security guard with a gun and a radio, and he's standing up against the wall, and he's got his hands in his pocket, and he's like, sir, 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 I've lost my child. We were just in the coffee shop. I can't find him. I don't know where he is. He's autistic. He don't know how to express himself. He can't tell where he's going. I just don't know what I'm going to do. How am I going to find him? And the security guard doesn't move, leaves his hands in his pocket, and says, well, did you check the last place you left him? 
Now, I'm going to tell you, this man about lost his mind. Because he was a good Christian man, he didn't just beat that security guard up and leave him for dead and take his radio and his gun and go get his son wherever he thought he was. 25 minutes later, they found Joseph in a corner crying because he didn't know where he was and he was lost and didn't know how to get back to his family. Now, I'm going to tell you, God's heart for the lost is just like that. And when you're a parent, that inactivity of that security guard made him mad. Mad. Why would you just stand there, do something, would you not? You have a radio, please radio ahead to your friends and say, there's a little boy this big, he's got this color shirt on, but nothing. Inactivity. Inactivity drives God's heart nuts. Now I'm going to tell you, when we only hear the word and do not do it, that's a problem. You can go to Luke 15 and you can hear about the lost coin, the lost sheep, and the lost son, all in the same chapter. Every time God leaves what is found and goes after what is lost, you and I need to understand that that is the heart of this church. We have to go out and find what is lost and bring them back because they don't know how to say what is wrong with them. They don't understand why their life is in shambles. All they know is this is life and this is how I've got to live the rest of my life. That's not true. You know it's not true. I know it's not true because we were them and God brought us out. We've got to have the heart for what is lost. Sunday services are going to be focused on A, celebration. We believe that church is not meant to be endured, but is meant to be enjoyed. You can drink coffee here. You can have fellowship here. You can love one another. But I encourage you, bring someone that doesn't know Jesus so we can love them together. Right? B, we believe in experience. It's not just about fancy music, although our band is amazing. Are they not? Love Grave to Garden song, kids. You did great today. And it's not about screens. It's not about everything being so comfortable, although I think that's nice. If God's presence isn't here, then what do we have? I don't want to be where he isn't. I want to be where he is. So we come to celebrate and have an experience with him. See, we're here to equip you. Listen, this church, your pastor's staff, is going to do the very best we can every week. Hear me to deliver a message that you can apply to your daily life now. Now. And that sinner that you bring, that's sitting in the seat next to you, there's going to be something in that message that pertains to them that they can understand, they can see, and they can get saved. That's what we're going to do for you. D, salvation. I'm just going to tell you. Regardless, we're going to give people a chance to receive Jesus. If you don't like that it's 12.05 and it's a little late and pastor's going to give a salvation call, guess what? (laughs) Who cares? We believe in salvation. Seriously. And you say, well, what does this mean to me? I'm already saved. What it means is that two or three times a year, you're going to have to invite somebody to church. You're going to have to ask somebody, you're going to have to step out of your comfort zone and say, will you come to church with me? You know what? I'm going to do my best not to embarrass you. 
I'm going to do my best to speak the word in a way they can understand it. And it's not going to be over their head so that they can say, I need Jesus. Show me where he's at. And then I guarantee you that day is going to be one of the happiest days of your life. Because when you look over and you see that hand slip up, they gave their lives to Jesus. You're going to go, yep. Because it's beautiful. Because now, because of you knowing God, they know God. And you just did the word of God. We believe that a church, our church should be a place where people can accept Jesus as their personal savior. Not just come back to the Lord. Not just rededicate their lives, though I think that's beautiful. I'm talking about people that have never heard about Jesus. Never heard about him. Now I'm going to take three minutes, I promise. I'm going to buzz through this part on how you can share Christ with others. Why is this a part of our no God? Because if you don't know how to do this, then you're not going to be able to participate in our Sunday services. Hear me. You're going to come and participate, but you're just going to be coming to get. You're not coming to do anything else, which I get. We're all here to be equipped, but we also have another purpose, and that's to bring unsafe people into the church. So, number one, accept personal responsibility. I want everyone to say personal responsibility. Okay, now. I always have this in my message every single time. This is the hardest thing I'm going to tell you today. I promise. I'm going to try to make it painless. I'm going to rip the band-aid off real quick. The bottom line is, is that God placed you in the sphere of influence with your friends and your family because he thought you would do something to bring them to Christ. Did you hear that? That's hard. It's hard to hear. It's hard to hear that God trusted you, David, with every single friend you've ever made in your life. He really believes that you're going to share the gospel with them. He believes that when you found out his purpose in your life, that you know how important it is that as many know about the gospel as possible and that there's not going to be one of them that you're too fearful to share with, not one of them that you're feeling inferior to, not one of them that you prejudge and you think they're too far gone, but everyone that you come in contact with, God believes you're going to share. You get that? Yes, I do. Now here's the hard part. If you don't, the blood is on your hands. That's a hard thing to say. It's a hard thing to hear. And I understand I'm not wanting to put pressure on you, but I am wanting to activate you to understand that time is shorter than it's ever been before and that God placed these people in your care, in your sphere of influence at work, in your school system, if you're a youth here today, because he believed you would share the gospel. And if you don't, I'm telling you, It's on your hands. Now, number two, this is a real simple thing. Responsibility, number two, we need to build a personal relationship. They're looking for a friend, not an argument. They're looking for a friend, not an argument. People don't care what you know about the Bible. They want to know that you care about them. How about that? Why don't we start building relationships with people so we can share the gospel? Number three, share your personal story. Look, 
You're supposed to look for the opportunity. Don't tell them that they're going to hell. This is not about, if you don't turn, you're going to burn. That's not what this is about. Tell your story. Do you understand you're to witness? A witness tells what? Your side of the story. Tell what God's done for you and how he fixed your life. How he took what was broken and made it whole. How he took your marriage that you saw no hope for and restored it. And now you can live with him without killing him. Tell the story. Everyone has one. You are an eyewitness to the salvation of God in your life. Just share the story. Number four, give a personal invitation. Here's the deal. you got two invitations you can offer. You can offer one, I'll pray the sinner's prayer with you. If you think they're ready, then you harvest that seed and ask them to say the prayer. Number two, if you don't think you got what that takes, that's okay. Because your church, I promise you salvation is going to happen in your church. And if you bring them here and give them an invite to the church, they're going to hear a message that they're going to hear that will excite their heart about serving God and knowing Him better, and they're going to come down in a salvation call. And when they do, now you're going to have a little bit more responsibility because you're going to have to help them through it. That's what we do. It's that simple to share. Now, we also know God and bring others to know Him through other ways, not just through our personal thing. It's, let's look at this scripture right here in Acts 1.8. It says, But ye shall receive power... After that, the Holy Ghost will come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and unto all the uttermost parts of the earth. Now, in addition to our Sunday services, we focus on reaching people in these places, too, that are designated by Jesus. One, in Jerusalem. This is our local cities. Now, for only believe, that's a lot of cities because we're not in the city of Bakians. And believe it or not, there are 88 cities that we draw from. But we do focus on a 10-mile radius from Bakians, Ohio. So there's school outreach at Jackson Center. There's a farmer's market in Sydney, a little bit more than 10 minutes. There's things that we do locally in farmer's markets, hot dog carts, lots of things that we do citywide, backpacks. How many of you put in stuff for the backpacks? That's in our city. Those go to, to schools. The primary way is evangelism. We do church in the community. We go out into our community and we serve. We do landscaping. We've painted houses. Lots of ways. Why? So that we can possibly make a relationship with somebody somewhere to share the gospel so that they too could know God. I know this sounds crazy, but our social media team is an advocate for this. Another way that we reach our city is through social media, by sharing the Only Believe social page. When you're here, check in and encourage others to connect to Only Believe. I know you think that's crazy, but there are people that will never see an advertisement of Only Believe Ministries unless you share it to your Facebook page or Twitter or something else that you're social on. That's okay. Use whatever platform you're on because they aren't reading newspapers anymore. They're not watching television commercials like they used to. Social media is the new media. So do something. You can reach your local cities by just sharing your church. Number two, in Judea, in Judea and Samaria. This means our nation. Now, the primary way that Only Believe reaches our nation is through planting and developing campuses. So there's three campuses here. There's 
uh, only believe at Canton, there's only believe at Urbana, and there's only believe at Dayton, and then there's the one only believe at Bakken's. We also have relationships with other churches locally, and then pastor does a lot of mentoring other pastors in our nation. They drive in from all over the United States to come and fast and pray for three days and, and be together as men of God and decide what God wants them to do for their churches and their lives. So, and three is the ends of the earth, our world. How many of you have seen this big globe here in the middle? Every Sunday when we take an offering, that is your missions offering. If you want your offering, I didn't say tithe, if you want your offering that is above and beyond your tithe, because your tithe goes to the storehouse, it's not designated for that, it's for the operation of your house. It's for the operation of lights, seats, carpet, staff, it's all the things that we do together as a church, right? But if you specifically want money to go to the missions, you put it in that globe. And that goes through crusades all over the world. There's wells that are dug. There's Bible colleges that are developed. There's training of pastors because we're firm believers that us going to Africa to preach the gospel to Africans is not the best bet. If we go to Africa and demonstrate God's power and raise up pastors to go into the local communities, that's better because they speak their language. We can't be there every week, but the pastors can. So that's the way we do it there. And there's hundreds of thousands of people that have come to know God by your giving alone, right? And number two, because of the faithfulness of our pastor who has a heart for overseas. Now you say, Nicole, how do I participate in all that? It's simple. One, you need to pray. Why? We pray about everything that we've discussed from salvation to knowing God to bringing in visitors into our church. Number two, give. Give. I need you to give of your time. I need you to give. If God speaks to your heart and pulls on your heartstrings when you hear vision be released in the church, we're not going to strong homework and make you give money to the church. But if the Lord tugs on your heart and says, I need you to give in that offering, then we need to listen and obey. The church will share vision two or three times a year of something that we're doing. Something that's big in my heart is the Thanksgiving offering that we do every year. Randy, it's not a secret. Randy and I have, uh, one of our first giving fights was about an offering that I gave and I put on my envelope, thank you, Lord. He said, what are you thanking the Lord for? I said, for everything. I'm just thanking him because I'm thankful. Like, I love him. I'm grateful he gave me life, gave me salvation, took away our sins, gave, well, that's dumb. You got to name that seed. You're not allowed to do that. That's dumb. I said, no, you're dumb. I'm going to do it. Now, this was when we were way, 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 way younger. So now it's okay for me to write thank you, Jesus, on my offering envelope. But Thanksgiving offering once a year that we do here at the church is huge to me. I don't know why. I just have a thankful heart. I, I, I believe that the thankfulness of God goes through everything in your life. And that if you're thankful for those things and you find joy in every season, I'm telling you, life's easier to get through. Just easier to get through. So that's something that's important to me. So, and the third one is go. This is the fun part for you. You get to go. You want to go on a mission trip? Go talk to Eric Smith. Eric, wave your hand. Yep. You want to go on a mission trip? You want to go to Africa? You want to go to Palestine or something? Dad just told me about this new invention yesterday. Then you go ahead and do it. Go to a prison. We have a prison ministry. Go to the farmer's market. Give away free hot dogs with your family. Participate. Go. Go and experience what it's like to make a difference in the kingdom. 
But if you never do it, you're never going to know what it's like. And you're not going to go to your city, you're not going to go to your nation, and you're not going to go to the ends of the world. Go. Participate and watch what God will do. Now, all of that was under no God. I promise you the other three points will be faster than the first one. I got plenty of time. Number two is find freedom. Now, we talked about the eyes of your heart being enlightened, right? Primarily, we believe that life change happens in the context of relationships. Small groups have one simple purpose, and that's to bring people together. See, God created us to live in community, together. That's why we're the body of Christ. Do you realize that? He didn't say that Jesus is coming back for the arm of Christ. He's coming back for the body of Christ. Is my arm disconnected from my body? We're all together, right? Many parts, but one body. The best way for your life to change is for Sundays to get bigger. Did you hear me? I know some of you like a small church, but Sundays are going to get bigger because when you start inviting people to know God the way you know him, they're going to come. They're going to get saved. And when they do, this sanctuary is going to get bigger. There's going to be more crowdedness in that foyer. It's going to take you longer to get out of this parking lot. And you're going to have to be okay with that. Do you see what I'm saying? Because it's all for the growth of the kingdom. But when you create small groups, you take a very big environment and you make it feel smaller and you add relationships by adding those groups and you develop support groups where people can find freedom. Let me ask you this. How would you feel if someone who was addicted to pornography came up to me and asked me to counsel them through pornography? If I've never been caught up in pornography, do you think that I would do a really, really, really good job? Or do you think that a male who has possibly been caught up in pornography, possibly gripped through the teenage years of his life from 16 to 21, till he, or 23 till he got out of college, would be the better bet? See, that small group that's on addiction needs to have people that are addicted or once were addicted and broke free from the power of addiction in it. You don't need somebody that's never been tested and tempted by the enemy talking about addiction. Now, I'm not telling you that I can't tell you the spiritual process of pornography, because I can. I can tell you every scripture in the Bible that will get you free from pornography. But if you're not smart enough to put a passcode on your computer and send it to your friend, then you're going to be on your computer at 2 a.m. at night. And the guy that went through it for four years is going to tell you to unplug that stupid computer and throw it in a trash can. I don't understand that, but they do. You hear what I'm saying? So small groups are a place that immediate help is found for an immediate problem. Let me ask you this. When's the last time pastor spoke on marriage? Long time, right? A marriage small group would happen, and immediately when a couple got saved and come into the church, they would sign up for the marriage small group. Why? because they need immediate assistance in the place of their marriage. And just coming to a Sunday service might not be enough to help them through. But being united with five or six other marriages 
some strong, some weak, can begin to lean some support. And they can begin to get their footing, right? Because relationships help build. So small groups provide three things. One is a place to connect. You get to share what's going on in your life. And this come out of Acts. It said, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking bread and in prayer. This is the early church in Acts 2.42. This is what small groups represent. See, we're not made to do life alone. God created us to do life together. And small groups are a place where you can share, connect, and grow in faith together. Number two, it's a place to protect each other. See, because when I'm struggling, you can support me. And when you're struggling, I got your back. It's okay. You can do this. You know what? No, 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 no. Don't do that. That is not what you said. You weren't going to argue with him anymore. Don't do it. Tell him you love him. You'll talk about it later. But you're not going to argue about it. Just don't fall for it. You can do it. You can do it. The devil's a liar. And sure enough, you do. Number three, a place to grow together. Iron sharpens iron. Listen, we believe that only that really every person is created for a God-given potential to make a difference in this world. Small groups is a place where you grow with others and become more like Jesus. That's what it is. Now, what does our small group model look like? Just like the early church. Listen, it says... As and daily in the temple and in every house, they ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. Small groups are important because we value relationships. Three things you should know about small groups. We already have home groups and connect groups, okay? And it's, they're, they're already, this isn't new to anybody, right? Home groups are tonight. What do you do? If you're from New Bremen or around about there, you all go to the New Bremen one. If you're from Crydersville, you go to Mom, Mama Joan and Bob's and you go there and you have great food. It's, home groups work. Why? There's support. There's lo- There's food. There's food. That's why home groups work. I'm just telling you, there's food at Mama Joan's. There's food. But it's support. So we already have small groups and we have, or we already have home groups and we have connect groups. Now connect groups are like where we fish together. We um, kayak together. What are they? They're taking things that we like to do and putting people together of likeness, what they like with hobbies. August 31st, at the end of this, okay, at the end of our session, we're going to release five small groups that you can attend. Now hear me on a Wednesday night. And you say, Wednesday night? Well, I come to hear pastor. But I want you to hear pastor then. But if one of these five groups, small groups, you are struggling in one of these five areas, then I would suggest that you go to the small group and find freedom for your life. I happen to know there's going to be one taught on identity. Do you know how many people struggle with Christian identity, and all they can think of themselves is see them at the way the devil has lied to them their whole life. You're worth nothing, you're never going to be nothing, you amount to nothing, and you're going to be stuck here the rest of your life. Well, I got another idea for you. That's not what God says about you, and this group is going to tell you and help you walk through finding this broken identity and being free of it. Why do you need to be free? We talked about that. We know God so that we can find freedom, so we can discover our purpose, and we can make a difference in the kingdom. 
That's what we're going to do. So that's what small groups are about. So number two, everyone can join a group. You may say, well, I'm really not struggling in this area, but I want to know more about my marriage. Listen, marriage is maintenance. Marriage is a maintenance. If it were up to me, Randy and I would be in a marriage small group every single week. Now, he don't want to do that, but I would love to do it. I love to work on our marriage. It makes me feel like, I don't know. I just want richer. I want a richer marriage. I want a thicker, richer marriage so that we have that love like in the notebook. <sighs> By the way, that's the worst movie ever. If you watch it, you will cry yourself to sleep at night. It's the worst movie ever. Anyways, number three, can I host a group? You know what? We all have something to offer others. And it's got to be something that you're passionate about or an experience that you've lived out and you're looking mm, that maybe you can grow. Hosting a group is a great way to bring people together in a meaningful community. However, I am going to say this. There is extra training. If you are going to be a group, small group leader, there is an additional set of leadership training that we need to go over just to make sure that you understand the entire process. And number three, we're almost done. Primarily, we discover purpose through the next steps, which is what's happening right now. Four weeks, right? So I'm going to take you out of this world. The new members of Only Believe are going to get this all in a Saturday. One Saturday, three hours, we're going to babysit their children, love on them, give them pizza, make them happy, and we're going to talk to their families. And we're going to incorporate them into the church. So your membership is going to look different. We're not asking them to come down front anymore. We're going to pray with them still in the class, but we're going to go over everything I just went with you so that they all know what their responsibility is as Only Believe. Because you don't get to join a family and not have responsibility right? Every kid has a chore in my house. Oh, wait, the one that's going to college hasn't done his chore for three weeks. Yeah, yeah, quit his job. Yeah, quit his job at home. Yeah, hasn't ironed, so in case my clothes look a little ratty, you'll know why, because Lincoln ain't been ironing. And then quit doing the dishes, so guess what I did? Quit paying him. Yep, he's been, he's going to college broke. Just want everybody to know. Actually, pray for Lincoln. He leaves tomorrow. Pray for his mother. They say that no matter how much preparation, you're still going to cry. I don't want to embarrass him there. Oh, oh well, whatever. Anyways, next step. So your, your new members are going to go through these four steps. Who is only believe? Where do I start? Discover purpose and make a difference. Just like you're going through in the next four weeks. You're going to know exactly what they're going through, and you're going to be able to support them. Number four, you make a difference. You ready for this? You got to take what you have and what you go through. So in the third week, I'm going to give you a heads up. Now, don't none of you show up because you really don't want to do this. The third week, we're all going to take a spiritual gifting assessment during church. I know, it sounds sacrilegious, don't it? Because it's just we never don't preach on Sundays. But it's necessary for us to grandfather everybody in so we're all on the same page and we know what our responsibilities as only believers is, Okay. But the third week, not next week, but the next week, you're going to take a spiritual gifting assessment. And it's going to tell us the things you're strong in. There's no right or wrong answers on this assessment. It's just what you truly feel. And you need to check off the boxes. And then the staff is going to sit down for one whole day, and we're going to grade them all. Grade them. You add up numbers. That's what you do. And you put it together. And then we're going to circle your three greatest strengths. And you may find out that you've been on the greeters team with Miss Sharon, 
and you're going to go, Sharon, I found out that I really don't like people, and that's not a good place for me to be. And Sister Sharon's going to go, oh, thank God. I'm so glad they're gone. And you know, seriously, it's going to be great because you're going to discover things about yourself you didn't notice. We were laughing as a staff the other day because when you, they say that you can see your giftings when you walk in a room. And if you look at the room and there's a person in the corner crying and the chairs are crooked and this person starts straightening up the chairs, they didn't even care about the person that was crying. But because they have an administrative gift, they're ordering up the entire room. They're making sure the Kleenexes are by the pew and the chairs are straight and the trash cans emptied and they're making sure the room looks great while someone in the corner is broken and dying and they don't even notice, right? And then you got other people that can just live in this chaos and just, oh, honey, I'm so sorry, what's wrong? And they spend four hours talking and you wonder what in the world? But that's because their giftings are different. But we need to know what our giftings are. And trust me, Sister Sharon will be a whole lot happier if you're not on the greeter team and you're not nasty. It'll be nice. No one wants to be greeted by mad people. So you've got to get involved. You've got to get involved after you know your purpose. See, we believe there's a... I'd only believe. Come down here to the end and we're going to finish up. We believe there is not a great divide between ministers and the congregation. Now hear me what I just said. Ministers and the congregation. Not your pastor. I'm not saying that. I'm not using the... He's not a minister. He's your pastor, okay? Every member is a minister. Everyone ministers to everybody. Whether you like it or not, you ministered to somebody today. Whether you smiled when you did it or you didn't even recognize they were there. You ministered. Every task is important. Everything we do... Look at the people in your row. Look at those little boxes on the back of your pew. Every week, those are filled. There's a uh, visitor card. I think it's two blue envelopes and three white envelopes or something like that. Eric, stand up. Every week, Eric and I are here filling up every one of those after church. Thank you, Eric. Every task is important. Because when you reached for your offering envelope today, it wouldn't have been present had Eric and Ida not considered their task important. Every person is a 10 in some area. I promise you, you're a 10. And you have to use that 10 somewhere in the kingdom. Only believe our future looks great. The bottom line is I'm saying everything I said today to tell you, we're going somewhere. And we're going to change who we are and the way we do things to win the world for Jesus. And it's going to look a little different. And it may be a little uncomfortable, but that's all right. I can be uncomfortable until Jesus comes back. And when I get in heaven, I'll get a little comfortable. Now, straight up, that's the way it works. All right? Now, you, you, you got six minutes. I'm still getting you out of here early. But I do know you've been sitting an hour. And I do appreciate you listening today. Next week, I'd like to tell you it's going to be shorter, but pastor is sharing on the statement of faith. He's going to keep you every second and then some. But the next week, we're going to get in our labs, and that's going to be a fun week. And then the fourth week, you get to hear Pastor Randy come up, and only Lord knows what he's got planned. (laughs) Come on up, Mama. Now, I don't need to come up, but uh, what Nicole was talking about, about winning souls... 
God just dealt with me that there's someone here that needs saved. Listen, Jesus loves you so much. He died for you on the cross, you know, so that you could go and be with him in heaven. So I want you to ask yourself a question today. If I died right now, where would I go? Would I go to heaven? Sorry, or would I go to hell? Listen, I'm opening up. I'm going to stand here and I will pray with you. If anyone wants to give their life to Jesus today, I feel God tugging on my heart during her even talking about this. This is what it's all about. Winning people that are lost. Getting them to go to heaven with you. Getting new brothers, new sisters. So, if there's anyone out there, I ask you to come up and let me pray with you if you want to accept Jesus into your heart. Don't leave here today. Don't leave here today, church, without accepting Jesus Christ in your heart. So, I'm offering it right now. Come on down, and I will pray with you. Don't be ashamed. We've all had to do this. We've all been at the altar repenting. And I will, I will also give it to the backslider. If you have backslidden, and you know, somebody asked me the other day, they said, you mean a backslider's not a Christian? No, they're not. They're backslidden. Praise God. Praise God. Okay, there's, a, there's other people here. You need to come on down. I'm going to give you one last chance. God's given you a chance, okay? No one else? Okay, I'm going to pray with this young man. All right. That he's lost his path and he's gonna get back on it. Praise God. Okay, let's pray this with me. Father, I come before you in the name of Jesus. Like the prodigal son, I have strayed. I have went away. But I want to come home, Jesus. You are coming home. And I ask you to come into my heart. And as you have died for me. I will live for you. I thank you, Jesus, for forgiving me of all my sins. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, live streamers, You guys can go eat chicken. I'll see you Wednesday night, guys. Have a good day.
streamers, we're so glad that you tuned in with us for service today, and we really hope that you are encouraged. We want to get connected with you every single day, so please be sure to follow us on all of our social media platforms. We have Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and you can subscribe to us on YouTube. And just a reminder, be sure to share this stream.